Welcome to the Galway Races new six-episode podcast series, Let's Be Having You Galway, relaying stories from inside and outside the parade ring. Paul Collins here. It's been my honour to chat to racing royalty and lifelong fans alike. On the latest episode of Let's Be Having You Galway, like father, like son, Patrick Mullins on life goals, Life at the Clausutton Yard in Carlo and keeping up with the housemates. Yeah, I live with Brian Hayes and his girlfriend, Rachel Blackmore. So the three of us are there. We're there seven or eight years. We're all sort of on the same, you know, we're doing doing the same job as such. And um, Pressure to win a Grand National in that house? Well, that's it, a Grand National Orgo Cup. So I think we're, Rachel, when we started there, Rachel was to be um, pulling her hair out. She wasn't getting any rides and now she's left the two of us behind. We'll also hear from Stuart Michael O'Donoghue on a lifetime in racing. Mr. W.P. Mullins would have meant something to me. And in the course of the conversation, he realised that I'd ridden horses and I was involved in the game. And uh, he looked at me and he said, you didn't bring your helmet with you by any chance, did you? And I said, well, I did, I sat in the car. And would you rail with me in the morning? I said, God, I'd love to. Patrick Mullins, how are things? Great, the sun is shining and life is good. Brilliant. We're here in Clasutton, Bagnallstown, County Carlow, where you grew up and learned your trade, as the man says. What was it like growing up around here? Beautiful part of Ireland, beautiful yard, beautiful animals, great childhood. Uh, yeah, well, it was very di- it was very different. Uh, this this room was uh, wasn't here. The, the the house was a lot smaller, and uh, the tack room used to be kind of where the kitchen is now. And there's a lot less horses, um, but it's all all I ever knew. Um, we've always had horses here. My grandfather's always had horses. I was an only child, so my cousin Emmett lives across the road, and we used to we'd fight like brothers anyway. So uh, still do, but um, no, it was fantastic. And can you remember your first horse memory? I mean, you were probably thrown up on the back of a horse before you knew it was even a horse you were on. Uh, yeah, we got a, a small, white, fat, hairy pony called uh, called Breeze when I was about five years old and um, being kind of led around the yard on him. So I had great fun on him for five or six years. Uh, we're never sure what age he actually was, but I think he was he was tipping on towards 30 at the end. But he was, the most important thing was he was slightly faster than Emmett's pony, Missy. So that was very important. <laughs> and I suppose for people who are not from a horsey background or didn't grow up with horses, they're a big animal and they can be very intimidating unless you understand the horse. And in your background, you would have grown to love the horse and understand how you need to be around them. And that was probably a big thing for you. Yeah, well, look, when, when you grow up around them, sure, it's um, no different than learning how to handle people. That They're all different. They all have different personalities. Some are kind and gentle. Some are can be a bit gr- grumpy and grouchy and you get kicked and you get bit and you learn how to read the signs. Um, you know, horses, they can't talk out loud, but, uh, you know, between a flash of a tail or a twitch of an ear, um, they're, they're able to tell you what they're thinking. Your family has an incredible racing heritage, Patrick, and presumably you were never going to be a mechanic, an accountant, a teacher or a guard. Um, no, well, look, I, I was I was mad into football, mad into soccer. Um, we were all big Man United fans here, Roy Keane, Dennis Irwin, um, and... You know, I went and I did a few of the, the camps down in Warford, but I never got the call. And I, I wasn't mad into to being a jockey um, until I actually started race riding. Um, but And even then, when I started, you know, my father told me because I'm quite tall, I would probably only ride for three or four or five years that, I, you know, I'd probably get too heavy. So 
Um, I did. I went to college. Um, I got my business degree just in case, but my weight stayed right, and um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't swap it. So you mustn't have a sweet tooth then. Uh, I do. I would have a bit of chocolate now. I wouldn't go astray. But um, look, I, I, I'm lucky that uh, our family is is fairly kind of tall and slim. And um, if I, I, I wouldn't want to be two or three pounds heavier anyway. <laughs> so genetics has a lot to do with it, and your track record and heritage uh, has a lot to do with it when you're in a family of this type, obviously. But there's a, is there a pressure with that that your dad and you know all your relations pretty much are involved in racing i mean is there a kind of a do you feel you have to kind of um you know ensure that you're 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 kind of continuing that or is it something you embraced uh no i never never felt that as such and and i suppose well you know where my father is at now wasn't where he was at when i started riding either so you know it might be a bit different if i was only starting to ride now um that might be the case but no it was always fun and i was lucky that i hit the ground running um and there was never any pressure from from mom or dad, and you know there was always a healthy competition between the cousins. Emmett was riding, uh, Danny was a few years behind us, so uh, the pressure was to just try and be better than than Emmett and Danny. And at this stage, you know you're you've hundreds of winners, uh, eight hundred is that right? Near getting there, yeah, nearly eight hundred, seven eighty or something. Yeah. So you're after already proving the father wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So far, anyway. That's a very satisfying number, though. I mean, like, that's incredible to think that, you know, you have that in your career record, isn't it? It is. Look, everyone's tried one winner. My first winner was Diego Garcia in Limerick, June 2006. Um, and, you know, then you want to write out your claim and you want to lose your seven, write out your claim. And you want to write 100 winners or Cheltenham winners. And Ted Walsh, be Ruby's father, had the record for amateur winners at I think he had 545 winners in his career so that was the aim for a long time we we got that and um and now you know it'd be great to get to a thousand but I suppose there's a very particular set of circumstances with with me you know writing for my father there's never been a yard like it so I always feel that you know I'd like to when I retire you know never I I, I made the most of what I was given so um that's uh just keep riding winners. No retirement talk for a while anyway, Patrick. Good few years yet left in you. Uh, yeah, look, I'm 33 and um, I, I was riding in the Curra the other day and uh, chatting to a few of the younger lads and they were saying, geez, they don't remember a, cur- a bumper ever in the Curra. And I was saying, I want a few bumpers here. So definitely starting to feel a little bit old riding with some of the fellas, um, Harry Swan and John Gleeson. But um, John was heading off to his leaving cert after winning the bumper last night. I met him in Cheltenham actually and he was telling me he was preparing for the leaving. Yeah. And... I said, have you anything else going on? Yeah, I have a few old rides there the next few days. And look at the way he's emerged in the last few weeks. Like the winners he's had, incredible rides. Yeah, uh, he's a very, very talented rider. Very talented rider. And um, uh, again, I th- when he won in, in Dream to Share, Cheltenham, he beat me. And I was telling him, the year I did my leaving cert, I won on Cousin Vinny, did the did the two double. But he, he didn't seem to remember that either. So uh, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely starting to feel old in the way room. Looking back over the huge volume of winners... You've had, Patrick, I mean, we're here under the auspices of Galway Race Week 2023, whetting the appetite for what's to come in Ballybrit. And your family has an incredible connection with Ballybrit, doesn't it? Yeah, look, my my grandfather, going back to, you know, won the the plate and and the hurdle. And, you know, my my father won the, what's now the Connacht Hotel, um, handicap on the Monday night on on Paragon, I think, with 12-7. 
so you know I've been going there as long as I can remember and my, my first memories of Galway are are uh, actually not of the horses but of the fun fair in the center of the park that was uh, you're not the first to say that yeah that was that was that was the best fun uh, yeah there was uh, plenty of plenty of fun had in there last year especially guiding echoes in rain to success in the day one feature at Bally Brit had a particular resonance, I would say, did it? Uh, definitely. Like I said, my father won it. Uh, look, it, it's the amateur derby. It's, uh, you know, it's worth a huge amount of money. It's a feature race to go festival. It's on RTE. Um, I've had lots of fancy rides in it. Um, you know, I think that was my 16 or 17 year riding in it. And I've been second and third in it. Hit the crossbar. And um, finally, for her to finally do it. And it, it went so smoothly. It was, uh, you know, it was, I, I pull up thinking, how did it take me so long? But um she, she was, it was definitely one of the highlights of my career to win that race. What about 2023 in Bally And generally going to Galway, like for you, what's the caper? Yeah, well, she look, from the minute we finished Punchdown at the end of April, you're looking towards, um, looking towards Galway in the start of August. And you're trying to plot, you know, horses plot your, plot your course towards there. The whole two or three months of the summer is, is built up towards the crescendo in Bally and like that, that's where you, that's, that's the big racing, you know, it's on RT, it's on TG Cahar, it's in all the papers. Um, that's where people, you win races and people remember them. And do you stay down? Do you travel up and down? I know some people have been having difficulties with sat-navs getting from here to Ballybrit over the years, but what's your typical week setup? Uh, we're up and down, up and down every day. Um, we'll, because we're, we're riding out the next day. So it's about two and a half hours up, um, there's a few different ways to go, all right, but uh, the quickest way for us is up past, up through, over the hill to Cascomer, um, Boris Nostry, Burr, through the bog to Shannon Bridge, you get on the motorway there. Um, it's not the best roads, but it is the quickest way. And then generally we'll stay up to Saturday night because um, we're not riding out on a Sunday. And we'd, uh, we might have a bit of fun on Saturday night, all right. So you're an amateur jockey, which means that your status is slightly different, obviously, to the others. But this is kind of your job now also as well, working in... The Clasutton Yard. Ah, yeah, sure. I'm here six mornings a week. Um, you know, helping out. There's David Casey, Ruby Walsh, myself are kind of assistants to Willie. And then you know, I'm 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 tough boss. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's 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 a uh, we we David is very good at handling him. Um, I I be. I saw I, him going around there earlier on, doing absolutely nothing, going around <laughs> talking to lads. Yeah, he does that very well though. He does that very well. <laughs> he has that down to a T. But uh, no, we we all we all have our um have our roles and it works very well. You've managed to get in a bit of traveling as well around the world due to the nature of the business. And I saw a lovely Mustang out there in the yard, all right, lovely red one altogether. And this, you were telling me, stems from your coast to coast trip in America. Yeah, when I was 21, myself and my cousin Emmett, we took six weeks and we, we flew to Chicago, hired a car, drove over to the East Coast, down through Boston, New York, Washington, Philadelphia, and then came across the middle. Any arrests? Uh, no arrests. We did break two cars, but um, so it only took us three cars to get us across to get across America. But uh, yeah, it was it was an incredible um, experience and great to see it. And we said if we ever got a chance to buy a Mustang, we would. Um, so Emmett didn't keep the promise. Uh, I did when when they turned right hand drive. I said before I got the marriage or the mortgage, I'd get the get the Mustang. What are they like to go? Uh, I I love it. It's a, it's a great car. Now it's it's not the big five liter V eight. It's a two point three four cylinder. So. Uh, but it's still about 320 horsepower and um, it's uh, makes some of the journeys a bit shorter. Have you a ball hitch on that now? And there's no hitch on it, no points either though. 
Very good. God, that's a, an achievement given the amount of driving you probably have to do every year. Uh, yeah, we do a good bit of driving, but um, I think probably because I'm in the bumper, I, I usually get the heads up about where all the speed cameras are because all the lads are going ahead of me. I like it. So you're very studious on the road like you are on the race course, so well, to speak. We, we try. You have a new target now of maybe a thousand? Yeah, look, I'd like to get to a thousand winners. Um, it's never been done uh, on the track. Um, you know, Jamie Codd and Derek Connor have done it in point of points. Um, but yeah, if I, if I kept riding 40 winners a season, I should be there before I'm 40, which would be, would be nice. Um, so, but it's, um, yeah, I like to have things to aim towards. So, uh, that's, that would definitely be one. So it's a very competitive business career, Patrick, but I would say your household is also very competitive when you consider who you're sharing a house with. Yeah, I live with Brian Hayes and his girlfriend, Rachel Blackmore. So the three of us are there. We're there seven or eight years. And um, we're all sort of on the same, uh, you know, we're doing doing the same job as such. And um, Pressure to win a Grand National in that house? Well, that's it, a Grand National or Cup. So I think we're, Rachel, when we started there, Rachel was used to be um, pulling her hair out. She wasn't getting any rides. And now she's left the two of us behind. So, um, uh, no, we're, we're all, we all got on really well. And we all, there is always a rush not to be the last one out of the house in the morning. So I think we keep one each other on our toes. And does anyone leave the immersion on or do you get a text there saying, did anyone switch the immersion off or things like that? Uh, no, Brian would be a hard taskmaster now, but um, Seth and Brian would be fairly tidy. Rachel would be a bit messy, all right? We'd have to no keep way. her on our toes, yeah. But I would have yeah. thought, you know, that she'd be the one keeping you in her Yeah, yeah, so tabs. we have to go around and clean up after most time, yeah. Wow, God, that's a, that's a mad one. And obviously... When you're then watching friends on TV in the evening after you've come back from whatever race meeting or preparing to go away, I mean, do you like to talk about racing or is it all kind of anting but racing when you're sitting around having a cup of tea? I know, a bit, bit of everything. But, you know, we'd come home, watch the race, and then we could, you know, if one of us thought we gave one a bad ride or, or you know, we could analyse it ourselves or or you'd be complimenting someone if they gave him a good ride. But uh, That'd be a great goggle box now. Imagine if the three of you had a goggle box TV show in with you <laughs> and you're going back over. Let's look at Patrick's last ride. Let's look at Rachel's last ride and let's break down all of them. Yeah, yeah. There'd be there'd be no holes barred now. There'd be there'd be no um, no tender souls in there. So uh, but I think I think it improves all of us, yeah. Very good. So you're you're willing to accept criticism and observations. Yes, sometimes yeah. very good. And you do a bit of writing and you're a big reader as well, because I'm, I'd imagine, Patrick, you know, if you've been writing of an evening, you're going to a race meeting, you're driving back, like you need to kind of decompress almost at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I like reading. I like to have a book to read, go to four or go to bed. Um, I would have read a lot of kind of, uh, you know, fantasy, I suppose, in the Game of Thrones or the Wheel of Time. Um, and now I'm reading, at the moment, reading The Great Gatsby and trying to read a few of the kind of classics this year. Um, so uh, I, I enjoy having a book to read before I go to bed. I think it helps, helps me kind of switch off. And um, with the writing then, I do a lot of that. Um, I enjoy it. As you, my, my only A1 in the Leaving Cert was in English, and I had a great teacher, Martin Wallace. And, um, yeah, I enjoy kind of writing. Not, 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 I, would, I wouldn't enjoy doing it as a full-time job, but I enjoy writing kind of um, uh, maybe once, once, once or twice a month, maybe. You might do the autobiography for the outlet. I uh, don't, know about, don't know about that, but, uh, no, sh- short, short and sweet kind of stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I try, I try to do it a bit differently, um, you know, come at it from a different angle maybe, which I can than other people. And, um, yeah, I, I think, I don't know, some people seem to enjoy it, anyhow. I mean, your dad, I know he's your dad, but he's like the Alex Ferguson of 
racing, really, isn't he? I mean, he's won it all, done it all, champion, trainer. And you must be incredibly proud of him. Yeah, what what he's built here is extraordinary. And it started from one, you know, one barn. And my grandfather bought this land back in the 80s and Willie started here in the late 80s. And it started with less than 10 horses and it's built now to, you know, 200. And... I think he's very good at, at delegating. Um, I think he's very good with owners. Um, and, you know, we've a, we've a great system here. A couple of good head men, Dick Dowling, Dave Porter, Virginia Vasco is there, Rachel Robbins, like I said, Ruby, Casey, myself. Um, my mother runs the yard mostly. Um, you know, sh- she's a huge help there. But I think with Willie, what he's done in the last 10 years, it's getting owners, buying horses, just constantly expanding. He's not afraid to, 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 to put himself out there. But the biggest thing to get to the level where he is now is getting the owners in and being able to handle all the owners. That's not as simple as it sounds. But you've got to win as well, Patrick. I mean, you know, is there a Willie way, a Mullins way, do you think? You know, you're on the inside looking out. I mean, he gets the best out of a horse. He, he's, if you're going to any race meeting and you follow Willie Mullins, you're probably not going to do too bad with your investment. So... You know, what do you think he gets out of a horse? I think he's he's not he's not afraid to not run a horse. You know, if you have owners and you have a horse, there's a, maybe a pressure to run sometimes. Um, and win. And win, yeah. But I think if you look at Willie, we probably run our horses less than a lot of other trainers. Um, and, you know, we probably start the season later. Um, so I think they're probably more primed for their runs um, throughout the season. And... That, that again, that's something that sounds simple, but but isn't, especially if you have expensive horses. And, you know, the business is thriving, the, the winning is continuing, there's a brilliant future ahead and a brilliant heritage there. And of course, there are some nice perks as well. There was an ad on television years ago, who's going to take the horse to France? So if the father is going around the world, there could be an opportunity for you to do likewise. Yeah, well, look, uh, when we at Blackstairs Mountain went out to Japan and won a race, the Grand Nakayama over there, Emmett went out with, with, with him for a month or six weeks. I didn't get to go on that trip, but we've been, been down to Melbourne a few years. I'm hoping that we might have a few owners this year, possibly Vaughan. Um, and we go to Far Hills sometimes for the American Grand National, um, with maybe Scaramanga. He was in Nashville. He won in Nashville last month. I didn't get on that trip either, but David Casey um, made the most of it. Oh, Casey, I'll tell you one thing. I get into them places. <laughs> I think that I don't, I'm not sure. He could be barred from Nashville, I think, but uh, I think he enjoyed himself. He probably got up on stage and started singing. That's what would get him barred, I'm sure, Patrick. <laughs> and look, just to say, if you need anyone to give a hand carrying cases or anything like that, or throwing hay to the horses, give us a shout. Very kind, yeah. And do, w- when you travel around uh, um, Ireland, uh, Patrick, when you meet people in different parts of the world, when you're seeing success like that, that must make you feel incredibly proud that you are part of all this. Um, definitely. Look, uh, Ireland. As, so yeah, if you're going to America, Australia, people, you know, the Irish Irish horsemen, Irish horse uh, horses are are famous, and you are proud of that. Um, and definitely, even I'm I'm always blown away by the kindness of people at races. You know, t- towards towards our success. Um, you know, and people seem to get a good kick out of it. And uh, it, it's definitely something that. Um, is to be savoured. Is there any race, racing thing that you'd like to do apart from 
thousand winners, which is a nice benchmark to aim for. Uh, so there's lots. There's lots of Galway Plate would be nice. I've been looking to win a few Galway hurdles. Um, so Galway Plate would be would be very nice. Um, the Kim Yor in Cheltenham is the only one of the three amateur races I haven't won, and Derek O'Connor and John Oakes are the only two people who have won those three races. The Aintree Fox Hunters is there. The Ladies' Cup in Punchstone. Um, there's a lot more to do. You have a lot on your to-do list. There is, yeah. So plenty of time to do it yet. What's the most testing course out there, do you think? I mean, the entry course seems to non-racing people like myself to be a mind-boggler. Yeah, look, the, 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 that's a different track now. It is a bit easier now. You need a horse that takes to it. Um, so you need a horse that's brave and doesn't jump too high. It doesn't mind cutting down the top of the fences. Um, the track in Autoy is a, a, a really different track. You know, Where's that now? In Paris. It's in the middle of Paris. And okay. um, so I'd love to ride a winner there as well. I mean, that's um, there's big ditches, big water jumps. The Paradovici out in Czech Republic is like an old school Grand National. I was out there the last two years, but haven't completed it yet. Um, so... Chinscale, uh, Yeah. <laughs> so, look, it's... Um, there's lots of... Uh, but I think the, the Paradovici is probably the, the track... That is the most um, challenging for horse and rider uh, jumps track in, in the world, I would say, in the Czech Republic. So I used to live with Tom Rudd and we had this discussion over the years about, you know, what do you say to someone whose horse hasn't run well or whatever? So when you arrive into the parade ring, like what's your normal course of action? Like, do you interact with the owners and tell them, listen, we're going to nail this one or, you know, or do you take instructions or what, what way... What's the normal procedure when you arrive into the parade ring before you go out in a race? Yeah, I suppose it depends on what, what type of race it is and, and on the horse. If I'm riding a horse that hasn't ran before, you know, the plan is going to be quite, it's going to be vaguely loose. Um, you, you'll know what your opposition is doing, who might make the running, who might drop in. You'll have run the tracks, so you'll know where the ground, if you're going to be inside or outside. Depending on the course, then, you know, Galway is a track that generally you don't want to be in front too soon because it's a long way up that hill. But then somewhere like Punchdown is a track that they run downhill into the straight and you can you can kick a bit earlier. So, yeah, you, you, it, depending on the race, you might have a loose plan or a very, a very um, uh, precise plan. So um, and then you hope that the plan you give is what happens in the race. But that's not always the case. And if you're walking back into the parade ring without your horse, that's not a very nice place to be. Uh, no, but that, that happens. Yeah, that does happen. But uh, I got a fall in... Um, punched down off a horse called Billaway and um, uh, he'd been threatening to do it for a long time but he, he finally got rid of me um, but we made up for it a couple of weeks later in Down Patrick so falls were part and parcel of the game. And you've been fortunate to not have had any major injury Patrick? No I, I've done my collarbone and I, I've cracked a few vertebrae um, and I, I got a, a mild concussion off that horse and punched down but touch wood I, I haven't been uh, laid up uh, for too long anytime. It doesn't reduce your capacity to be brave, injury? Um, no, look, uh, to me, I, I ride horses, that's what I do. Um, I drive a car, I hear on the radio every day, car crashes, it, I still drive the car. Um, but like I said, I haven't had a, a tough injury. I mean, my cousin David, he got airlifted. Um, he broke his back, got airlifted out of uh, Thurless. Rachel Blackmore, a couple of years ago, got did her left pelvis and her right ankle, and she was, you know, obviously couldn't get around very much for a while. Um so, but uh, I it doesn't think, dim your love of the sport and jockey. No, no, I, I think you accept it, and um, you know, it's um, if you, you know, like I said, you, you get into a car, you take that chance. I ride a horse, take that chance. So, Ballybrit is looming, twenty twenty three. Have you anything that you've learned over the years about hitting the Galway Race Week? 
Uh, yeah, the first one was uh, drive up yourself because I remember when I was about 18 um, driving up with Willie and giving a horse a bad ride and um, and he left without me so I had to go home with the uh, had to go home in the, with the horses in the lorry but the lorry was full so I actually generally had genuinely had to travel in the back with the horses for about three hours on those windy roads so that was the first lesson I learned in Ballybrit. Well that was probably easier than an uneasy silence in the car on the way back. Uh, yes I, I yeah so from then on in I, I drove myself racing um, but that was a very important lesson to learn. Very good and it it's um it's one of those meetings that you know from punters points of view from trainers and owners points of view it's an enjoyable meeting and it's pe- where people want to be seen but also to win things. It is, like I said, it's the it's the, the main point of the of the summer, and you know, like I said, it's on RT, it's on TG Gahar, it's on all the front pages and back pages of the papers. There's huge crowds there. Every owner who comes into the yard would love a Galway Festival winner, and um, that's you know, and I think if you see Willie in the last couple of years, he's really concentrated on Galway, um, and uh, it's it's just a fantastic place to win. It's um, it's not a bad place to lose, but uh, it's it's a brilliant place to win. So busy round the clock round the year. When are the holidays, Patrick? Uh, so I'm I'm hoping at the end of June. There's two weeks at the end of June, so we'll get away um, get away somewhere sunny then. Anywhere nice? Uh, nothing planned yet, but I, I'd like to see maybe uh, I'd like to move around. So maybe I'd like to do it maybe Amsterdam, Copenhagen, and then go somewhere sunny for a few days at the end of it. So very uh, nice to uh, try and see as much as we can. Well, look, I want to say to you and your family, Patrick, thank you so much for having us in here today. It's been a great honour to be here in the surroundings of where so many great winners have come out of. And uh, I meant to ask you, actually, as a as a young fella, did you witness any, like I'm looking at Grand National paintings around the wall and everything else. I mean, as a young fella growing up, was there any moment you realised, well, Dad's actually kind of a big deal, or there was a race that he won that was kind of a big deal? Um, no, not so much, but I mean, Florida Pearl would have been the, the first horse that really caught my imagination. When he won the bumper in 97 with Richard DeMoody, he won the Royal Alliance in 98 with DeMoody. And uh, the first year I ever got to go to Cheltenham was 99 when he ran the Gold Cup and he finished third. Um, and just, you know, as a nine-year-old, you expect we just, we're going over, we're going to win the race and come home and... Uh, that was another important lesson, uh, walking back into third place with him. That uh, Probably seeing your dad on television as well was a bit surreal for a nine-year-old. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I, I kind of, I just, it's, as long as I can remember, he's kind of been doing that. So, yeah. Well, listen, again, thank you so much, Patrick. Real pleasure sharing time with you this morning and go well in the weeks ahead. Okay. Thanks so much. Let's be having you Galway, hashtag raring to go for race week 2023. And we're delighted to welcome into studio someone who knows racing and race week like no other. Dubliner Michael O'Donoghue, now living in Kildare and 40 years with the Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board, formerly the Turf Club. But this race week, Michael, is going to be a little emotional slash nostalgic for you for a very good reason. Time to say goodbye. 40 years. Uh, started the 9th of June 1983 with the Turf Club. And the 9th of June this year, I'm in Clamel again. It was Clamel I started. I'm in Clamel the same day. And I've been thinking for, about it for a little while about, you know, how long more do you want to go on? The Lord doesn't tell you how many years are left in life. So you try and work out you have something left. And I've enjoyed every 
single minute of it and I just decided I, I went in to see our CEO Daryl Lachlan had a chat with him recently and chose Thursday of Galway Races to retire to retire your history and connection with Galway Races goes back to when you were in Nipper though from Black Rock in Dublin being dragged all around the country by the mother and father to some what appeared to be at the time far flung places of Ireland the word indeed uh the likes of Bundorn, Kilkee, Galway. I mean, at that time when we were kids, my father was a chemist and uh, the big thing was the summer holidays. So, of course, Galway became one of them. And uh, I think I was eight and my brother Declan was seven. And after Galway, we came and we stayed in Salt Hill. I can remember one thing when you look back on some of these things, uh, Remember one day in a lash now the heavens in Salt Hill and we parked on the prom looking at the sea. Now, not that we could see the sea. The windows had fogged up. The wipers were working when the engine was turned on. The mother and father were in front wondering what the hell they were going to do for the day and Declan and I were whinging wanting to go home. So that was my first memory of Salt Hill. But look, things improved a lot from then and we were only kids. So the following day was a great day. And there was no indoor heated swimming pools or anything at that stage? Absolutely not. I mean, it was... And we'd, we'd loved our swimming. You go to Spiddle or somewhere like that, we, we did love our time, but a wet day in Galway was a wet day. Ironically enough, though, after all that, your love affair with Galway wasn't dimmed in any way. And in fact, when you were 19, that was another big moment in your life because... Not so much Galway, but you got a right good set of wheels. I did. I suppose uh, I probably have to tell you, I came back when I was 12. Never mind, at 19, when my father brought me back at, at 12 for the Galway Festival. And uh, I don't know, did he bring me or did my mother send me? I have a feeling she sent me. To keep an eye on the outlet. I keep an eye on him. And... Uh, we stayed in the Hotel Rio and that was my first, I, you know, that's when I really fell in love with, with, with the game. Was it, 12, it was my first festival, it was away with Dad. We finished up after three days here. Great on, memories. Great memories. Going on to a place called Toom for, for the one-day the one day meeting. Toom is now gone. I mean, the first year I came here, I think Analog won the Galway Hurl and Rosie won the Galway Plate. And then it did have progressed and then, as you say, when I was 19, I had my own wheels, I had a noble cadet, a uh, real blue jazzy car held together with rust. WZJ234, I'll always remember. But when you get your first car, it's your pride and joy. The radio had to be stuck on with Meccano and screws. Did you, have a, did you have a cassette player or was it 8-track at that stage? No, nothing. You were lucky to get RT1. No RT2. I mean, you'd, you'd Luxembourg on 252. I mean, you were lucky to get anything. And the big aerial about six foot high hanging out of the car. <laughs> and we had hair at that time too. But yes, it was down 19 and uh, I was already, after doing a year with Seamus McGrath, after I finished school, I finished, uh, did my leaving cert before I was 18, I was a month short of it, and I'd spent a year with Seamus McGrath, who was a top class trainer. And he trained a derby winner and a guineas winner while I was there. And I didn't contribute to any of that, by the way, but I enjoyed the experience. It was a super yard. I didn't then. want to say. <laughs> and he was a wonderful boss. And uh, then I finished up then with him the, the following year. It was just it was part of a learning curve. And it was the best year I ever spent in life because it was a foundation, a grounding for me for the industry. And at 19 then, Galway races with this smashing car that I had. Some machine. Some machine. Yeah, exactly. And 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 down through every town and village for, for, from Dublin at the time. And I can tell you one thing, Galway was a fair camel ride then because if you can remember maybe 
going through places like Lucan, Leakslip, Maynooth, Kilcock, and you got down eventually then to Moat for another traffic jam, Athlone for another traffic jam, Ballinasloe for another traffic jam. Sure, it took about four or five hours to get here. You had a right good full Irish in Six Loyola Park one morning. I did. Have, uh, I was there on my own. As I said, I'd booked in on my own, down having my breakfast, in the breakfast room, on my own again. And this chap walked in anyway, and if you could picture this, maybe the bit of curly hair and went down, a bit down his neck and wouldn't have been out of place on a band, but he introduced himself to me and, and uh, he said his name was Willie Mullins. And I said, right, and I introduced my name. Sat down and I knew his name because at 19, obviously, he was an amateur rider at the time, riding for his father and he was riding winner. So Mr. W.P. Mullins would have meant something to me. And in the course of the conversation, he realised that I'd ridden horses and I was involved in the game. And uh, he looked at me and he said, you didn't bring your helmet with you by any chance, did you? And I said, what I did is out in the car. And would you ride over me in the morning? I said, God, I'd love to. And out we went and... Uh, into the stable, I tacked up the horse. I can't remember the name of the horse I rode, but he said to me, Now, my uncle, Captain Luke, is the manager of the track. And I said, Grand. And he said, You might just be a little bit now, he'll tell you exactly what to do and where to go and where not to go. So we jumped up on the horses. At that time, I didn't need a leg up, I could jump up on a horse. I think I need a step ladder now, but anyway. <laughs> or a helicopter <laughs> to drop you in. Yeah, <laughs> mountain block. Out, and, and then obviously, Captain Luke was there, and, and, and uh, he, he was, he just started my talking with him. Warned us where not to go and what not to do. But now we had plenty of latitude to do. So we warmed up the horse and went off for a good canter and, and uh, we were to pull up going into the dip. But that didn't happen. The hill came into it and uh, I remember coming back and, and, and uh, he was fraught. I could see him. I, I could see he was ready to explode. And That's so, Willie's uncle now. That's Willie's uncle. And I said, well, I won't get an explosion here anyway. So anyway, he lit on on. on, on, on Willie over I warned you not to come up the hill and Willie just turned and said the young lad here couldn't hold the horse so I had to take the rap for it <laughs> I hope you reminded Willie Mullins of this no I don't think I did I, I said I'll steer this one clear but look it was a lovely it was my actually first time ever to ride on a racetrack you know I went on to ride racing afterwards I went on to ride point to points and, and, and uh, actually rode for Willie's father one race at Leprosome in 1977 I think but so it was my introduction and, and, you know, all those things just kind of built in. It was more, you were getting more into the game all the time. And yeah, it was a great morning that. And you were involved in the business of regulation and officialdom after the horses and the riders passed the winning post until we hear the famous words, winner all right. What happens then before we hear those famous words, Michael? Quite a lot happens behind the scenes. Uh, if you're a punter or an owner or a trainer, you're waiting for those words. The words you don't want to hear is Stuart's inquiry. But uh, the reason behind the scenes, the clerk of the scales is working the way he is weighing in the riders, ensuring that they've carried the correct weight. The judge is in the judge's box. If he has to sort out a photo finish or whatever, he has to sort out. But he has got to get his placings correct and get his distance correct. The person checking the microchip is checking the identity of the horse and at the same time we're in our own room clearing the race and then by that I mean there's a number of televisions now for Galway Festival because RT or, or, or T, TG Carter covered the meeting we've extra cameras because of televised racing but and we have drone footage we we'll watch a race from Flagfall and you're just ensuring basically that no rules have been breached whether it be say horses crossing one another or, or riders maybe breaching the whip rules or horses that run poorly that you expect to run well where you send down to the vet hoping to find a reason why that horse ran poorly but 
there is an amount of things that when we're satisfied, it links in together. The Clark, the scales have cleared with us that they're okay. The microchip reader has cleared with us that he's okay. The judge has cleared the results. So everything is clear and then it's down to us and then it's what you said, winner all right. But if we do have a Stewart's inquiry, there is a delay. The delay to the public can seem quite long, but what people don't realise is it takes four or five minutes from the time we call that to actually get the riders in for evidence. They're coming in, they're weighing in, they're changing their colours, they're weighing back out for the next race. So there's a lot of time gone that people don't think about. We probably have two minutes to get evidence and another minute to reach a decision. So we're on a fair, tight time schedule. And then at the end of that, it's a case of well, then you're right, you're winner all right. Or you might hear those words, the places have been reversed or no alteration of the judge's places. And if there's a breach of rules by the jockey, that can be dealt with maybe a little bit later because you're down to possible suspension or whatever the case may be. I was interested to hear as well that each horse has a microchip. So you wouldn't have a case of someone putting the wrong horse into the stalls, or would you? Microchip reading... Uh, every horse that arrives at an Irish race track is at entrance into the stable yard is microchip red. Uh, look, it has happened, Paul. You know, people make mistakes. They'll load up the wrong horse going racing for some reason. Maybe took the wrong horse off the walk or mix up stables. It has happened. It's a rarity, thank God. And it's found at the entrance to the stable yard. Unfortunately, when you have a situation of you've checked them coming in, it can happen that the wrong horse has run. It did happen here in Galway a few years ago, just multiple runners for one trainer and then they went down and saddled the wrong horse. But And we've had a couple of close calls, horses saddled the wrong way around in a race when the trainer had multiple runners and we've had a couple of close ones. But I think that's called human error. Absolutely. And I'd um, imagine that all being said for such a prestigious meeting as this, I'm sure there was a fair steward's inquiry when the various crew arrived back into the trainer's yard afterwards and your heart would go out to someone who's made a genuine human error like that. But also from your side, Michael, if you like, you had your first holiday abroad, with uh, your first holiday away from home from Black Rock with your brother and your mum and your dad in a steamy windowed car below <laughs> in Salt Hill. And then you also learned a few life lessons in the ballroom in Salt Hill. Oh, God, I didn't think you'd mention this one. But anyway, we did. Sure, as youngsters, where are you going to go? I was an on-drinker, Paul, all my life. So I probably had the unfortunate role of being the unpaid taxi driver. So, But at that time, Salt Hill was the place. And when you went into the slot machines or you went wandering around the place, but there was also that famous Seapoint ballroom. And I'll tell you one thing, sardines had more comfort in a tin than we had. It was the one time you couldn't stretch out or do anything. You were just pure sardines. And, you know, you even remember the chip fan outside it. It was the chip fan. And whether the chips were cooked in engine oil or vegetable oil, you just loved them at three o'clock in the morning. But great memories. And look, we had the Great Southern Hotel as well in, in, in Galway. Galway was very close at that time. I mean, it either happened in Galway or it happened in Salt Hill. But... Like a lot of tracks now, even go to Cheltenham or anywhere, everything has spread out a lot over the years. But at that time, it was very, very confined. And you also learned a few things in the Great Southern, you were telling us. <coughs> well, the Great Southern, I think the Wednesday night was the big night there, Galway Plate Night. And, and uh, I do I remember learning one thing, it was the Siege of Venice. Now, when you come from Black Rock in Dublin, the Siege of Venice is not on your agenda, no more than a lot of stuff is. And uh, I remember this one, and... and uh, it was just, we were going to make our own version of it, but you did say to whoever the partner was, 
I don't really know how to do this one, but maybe you'll carry me around. But I tell you, you didn't get much time to learn it. And I still remember, you know, it was four facing four, in, out, in, out, and you swapped your, you swapped the two pairs and then you tagged along with the pair. Still vaguely remember it. <laughs> and at that time, honest to God, I tell you, the, 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 the hotel was absolutely packed. I thought the hotel was going to collapse. You could feel the place swaying and it wasn't me that was swaying, it was the hotel that was swaying. Of course, because you were a non-drinker. <laughs> a non-drinker, and yeah. you'd, be, you'd be forgiven for, for assuming that. Exactly. So, because I was going to ask you, what is the secret of a good siege of Venice? But you're after giving it to us there now. Yeah, I wouldn't like to try and do it now, but I'd still give it a try. If some some girl said to me, I'll take you through it, I'd still give it a try. Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Thank you for sharing your stories. And one of the effects of your story sharing today is that you most definitely have us. Hashtag raring for Galway. Thank you. Winner all right. Create your own story this year at Ballybrit. The 2023 Galway races commence on July 31st and run to August 6th. Seven unmissable days. To secure your ticket, go to galwayraces.com. You don't want to miss it. See you there.